Welcome to Double Feature, the IDS film podcast where the powers that be let us in a podcast booth to give you hot takes and maybe some lukewarm ones, too. I'm Chris Forrester. I'm Annie Aguiar. On today's episode of Double Feature, we're breaking the mold of our usual format to talk about the Academy Award nominations, which were announced this week. So I think, in short, it's pretty fair to say that A, this is a garbage fire, and B, this is like one of the worst crops of nominations ever. I don't know if it's an entire garbage fire. I think there are certainly some inclusions that are bad that yield that kind of reaction. But there are some really good movies that have gotten recognition this year. Yes, on the like top of the positives lists, The Favorite and Roma, which are two of my favorite movies of the year, yeah. um, both received 10 nominations. Um, a Star is Born, which is another personal favorite, um, received eight, I believe. So, I, so a th- lot. Those are all really good things. Um, it's nice to see especially Roma and The Favorite, which are not only great movies, but really, really beautifully made movies, sweeping both the like prestige, like picture, director, screenwriting mm-hmm. awards, as well as some of the craft categories. But I also just, like, no matter what way I look at it, I have this inclination to say that it's a garbage fire because there are just some parts of it that are so bafflingly bad. Yeah. There are definitely, like, hints of greatness of this could have been a good crop. This could have been a good nomination. But as long as Bohemian Rhapsody and Green Book are still up for stuff, I'm going to be upset. Let's talk about Bohemian Rhapsody because we... Did we mention it at all last time? Or? We did not okay. mention it, I don't think. Okay, cool. Bohemian Rhapsody was directed by a pedophile. He's just a pedophile, folks. Brian Singer has a history of abusing and molesting young boys, and it's been a thing that has been known for a long time in Hollywood. Yeah, and as of today recording this, there's a very thoroughly reported and very harrowing and difficult to read piece on The Atlantic about it. They interviewed more than 50 sources, I believe, um, and yeah. it's chilling to read. It's it's really just disgusting that certain people just get to slide by, you know? Like, there was another thing of even though he was fired, like, right as they were finishing up Bohemian Rhapsody, he was hired in, like, fall or winter to direct another movie about a sexual assault survivor. Like, it's so maddening, and it's so upsetting. And during the Golden Globe acceptance speeches, I know there's a thing of, like, they did not mention Brian Singer. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, when your movie wins the biggest award of the night at the Golden Globes, that was Best Picture for Drama, and... Your director is not there to claim the award or speak or say anything. And the people who are there can't even mention him because his name has such bad baggage associated with it. That's a problem. And then for a week later, not a week later, but for a week and a half later to see that name come up again for his movie getting nominated for Best Picture. It's it's really disheartening. And... God, I really hope that it doesn't get Best Picture. And I don't think it will now that there's much more talk about this, even though it's been known for so long. Why the heck wasn't anyone talking about this already? Oh, my God. But it would kind of be very classic Academy to still give it to Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, yeah. Because they're terrible people. I think the biggest irony is that, you know, 
a year after this whole movement sort of shattered the status quo, or so we thought about um, sexual assault perpetrators and predators being in positions of power in Hollywood, even though we sort of have this facade of like, oh, quote unquote, people care now. Obviously, that's not true because this movie wouldn't be nominated for so many. And the other thing is beyond Bohemian Rhapsody, the rest of the Best Picture nominees are just not good. Mm, Okay, so what are all of the Best Picture nominees? So the list of Best Picture nominees includes Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Roma, Green Book, A Star is Born, and Vice. I've seen all of these, but Bohemian Rhapsody, yes. I've seen all of these, but Bohemian Rhapsody. And I just, um, I'll say Roma and The Favorite and A Star is Born, all in my personal top ten of the last year. Those are all so good. I think if you gave me this list and you started out with Best Picture nominees include A Star is Born, Roma, the favorite and Black Panther, I would be so excited to hear the rest of the list. And then when you tell me that it's Bohemian Rhapsody, Black Klansman, Green Book, and Vice, I would feel sick to my stomach. The thing with Black Klansman's inclusion is that the Academy definitely does have a tendency to like give apology nominations of like, we should have nominated Do the Right Thing, but we didn't. Yeah. So now we're gonna do this. And it's like, cool, thanks for finally recognizing the artistic and creative juggernaut that Spike Lee is. However, it's taking the spot of movies that are more deserving, you know? Well, and another thing in this crop of Best Picture nominees that I think is feels weird is that obviously there have been movements in previous years calling for a more diverse range of films in terms of subject matter, in terms of confronting race, Mm -hmm. sexual orientation, and just from more diverse creators. And if you look at this, I mean, just at face value, you have two films about um, queer people. You have half the nominees about people of color, but I still think that these are not especially politically astute. In fact, at at best, I would say some of them are okay. At worst, I think that Green Book and Bohemian Rhapsody, from what I've heard about that film, and Black Klansmen are all overtly problematic dissections of the issues that they want to discuss. It's definitely the bare minimum of representation is what we're rocking yes, here when you look at that. which I think is a standard for the Academy. I mean, I, as disheartening as it is to say, because I adore the film so much, I don't think that Moonlight would have won Best Picture if there wasn't like a clear pressure on the Academy that year to recognize art that was confronting issues of race and sexuality and to recognize art that was made by people of color. Oh, for sure. This is just (laughs) one of my favorite bad takes I saw on Twitter was Black Panther nominated for Best Picture? Come on, Infinity War was so much better. Yeah, well, I'll disagree with that. The thing (laughs) is, I just can't fathom... I wasn't a huge Black Panther fan. I enjoyed it for 
being a Marvel movie that was more thoughtful I, than the rest of I them. I definitely think it's the best Marvel movie, and I know some people instead hold uh, Thor Ragnarok That's as their me. personal favorite. And I saw I saw Thor Ragnarok in theaters, and I saw Black Panther on a plane, and Black Panther was so much better. Yeah, I think Black Panther is like kind of a miracle of a movie when you consider that it's made by a studio that doesn't let creativity thrive generally. Yeah. I flat out hate Marvel. I think their movies are terrible. Oh, they make films. They, they don't make films. They make movies. And they make the movie industry actively worse with every single thing they put out. And that's a take. I agree with that pretty much. But I think that Black Panther is a movie that I appreciate more thinking about what it is that it shouldn't have been, which is it is like a very like well-made, the design and art and production value is incredible. And it's a genuinely thoughtful movie politically. Oh, yeah. And I think that that's rare for Marvel. So, mm-hmm. but I digress. I just can't imagine looking at this list of nominees that includes Vice, Green Book, Bohemian Rhapsody, and Black Klansman, even though I understand a lot of people like that film, and saying, man, Black Panther really is the odd one out. It's the weakest one. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I'm trying to think. The one omission that breaks my heart is Paddington 2. Well, if we want to talk about omissions, I have several. Um, Beale Street. Yes, Beale Street. I was kind of devastated to see that not nominated, both because I think it's one of the most beautiful films of the year. I cried more times than I can count or even would care to count. And I think harder than I've ever cried in any movie before. It It is beautiful and hopeful and also devastating. Um, and I'm also sad to see that not nominated because um, Barry Jenkins' last film, Moonlight, won Best Picture. So he was coming into this with a movie that was as well, if not better, received than his last one. Yeah. And it got completely shut out of all of a lot of the major categories. Um, other omissions, I knew it would never happen, but I was hoping that Suspiria would pick <laughs> up some. It's my favorite movie of last year, and I really just wanted it to get at least some craft nominations for the score, or for the set design, for the cinematography. In my dreams, it's nominated for Best Picture, and <laughs> Tilda Swinton for Best Supporting Actress, and Dakota Johnson for Best Actress. And then Tilda Swinton for Best Supporting Actor. Yes. I... Tom York must be so sad somewhere yeah. in the room right now. Yeah. I mean, that's what he already was doing, but it's even more so. Yes. Uh, okay, so what are is your personal pick for Best Picture? What do I think is going to win or what do I what want do you, to win? Okay, let's do what do you want to win. Um, I think of this crop, I would pick want to win either Favorite or um, A Star is Born. Oh, oh last minute divot right there. My pick's Roma. You want, okay. I, want I stand Roma. by that. That's I'm, a close second place I'm after that all tie. In, don't you mean third? <laughs> I'm all in for Roma. I am a Roma stan. It's so. a beautiful film. It really is. What's gonna win? Uh, if the Academy decides <sighs> to be good, A Star is Born. If the Academy decides to be bad, Vice. Really? You think Vice has a chance? I Because people are bad. Look, Gary Oldman. I Last year. don't think Vice has a chance. I think Here's the thing. If I put my expectations low enough. No, well, I don't even I don't think Vice is the putting your expectations is it Green Book low. Then? I think I'm terrified Ugh. that Green Book is going to win. Um It's so upsetting that 
yay for Mahershala, but also, come on, baby, you deserve so much more. Yeah, for anyone who isn't familiar with Green Book, which is honestly probably the worst thing to happen to film in a very long time, (laughs) um, Green Book is a quote-unquote based on a true story, except not really because a lot of the people, a lot of the actual people whose lives it's inspired by have come forward and said, this is dishonest. Um, It's about a racist man from New York, played by Viggo Mortensen, who becomes the driver for a musician, played by Mahershala Ali, who's going on a performance tour in the South. And essentially, it's a movie about race whose message can be distilled to white people need to meet black people and realize that stereotypes are bad and not true and that we shouldn't judge people for having different color skin, and then we can all be friends. Which is honestly one of the most embarrassingly flat and also just toxic and bad takes on race relations you could possibly have. I watched all of this yesterday, and I have to say a much better take on racial politics in America, and one that actually does discuss the Green Book, which is a historic item, is Killer Mike's new Netflix show. It actually does handle this pretty well. So instead of watching Green Book, just watch that. It's a lot better. My the Best only picture, the only me. moment of Green Book that I enjoyed, I saw it with my friend Tom, and um, there's a scene where one of the characters pulls out the Green Book, and I just leaned over and I said, "That's it. That's the Green Book." <laughs> God. Okay. So let's move on. Best director. If this doesn't go to Alfonso Cuarón, I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. I could see it going to Yorgos Lanthimos for the favorite, and I would be very happy. I think as far as most of the nominations go, just since Roma, The Favorite, and A Star is Born pretty much have nominations in all of the big categories, if one of those wins, I'll I'll at least be okay with it. Um, That's kind of how it always is with this. Like, you're like the one you want to win usually doesn't win, but you have a couple that are like, you know, I won't be dejected. If this takes it. Yeah. And know? it's almost always the won't be dejected that yeah. end up winning. Yeah. The weird thing, and I've never really understood why have a distinction between best picture and best director, because it seems implicit that, like, if you make the best picture, then you must be the best director. <laughs> but it's extra weird this year because of the eight best picture nominees, only four of them were nominated for Best Director. And then you also have the director of Cold War, who is up for Best Director, but his movie's not up for Best Picture. That should have been Bradley's spot. Um, I think that spot could have gone to Bradley. Or another movie that I adore that got shut out basically everywhere is Paul Schrader's movie, First Reformed. It didn't get a Best Picture nomination, it didn't get a Best Actor nomination, and it didn't get a Best Best Director nomination. Did it get a screenplay? Did it get anything? I think it got a screenplay nomination. Okay. God. Um, Another sad man in a room, Ethan Hawke. Yes. But, I don't know, I feel like Best Director is a little bit of a boring category, just because like, three of, like, you have one complete titan who's, like, really one of the best filmmakers to ever live in Alfonso Cuaron. Mm-hmm. You have Yorgos Lanthimos, who's kind of a rising name. And then you have Spike Lee, who's, like, been a big name but sort of on the periphery of the mainstream for a while. But I really just don't think that any of them have the same clout as Cuaron. Yeah. No. Cuaron is just heads and shoulders above everyone else, especially he was his own 
cinematographer for most of it. Like, I don't think we had a movie with as strong a directorial vision as Roma. Yeah, I think that Roma's chances at best picture could be um, lessened just because it's also up for best foreign language yeah. film. And I think that a lot of Academy voters are going to say, why would I vote for this twice? And they're going to give Roma the best foreign language Oscar vote and then pick something else for best picture, yeah. which I understand. But I I am pretty confident in saying that I think best director is going to be Corone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. And like uh, with Del Toro, when he was talking about just the recent everyone who's won best director, it's mostly been either like Del Toro, Corone, or Inuritu, except yes, for Damien Chazelle. I don't like. But. Oh. oh, okay. That's an interesting. All right. Um, the other categories, as far as performances go, I think that actor and supporting actor are pretty boring. Yeah. I mean, you have a lot of men who didn't really do that impressive work getting nominated. You you really have to make me care to care about a male actor's performance. Yes. I mean, last year, I think, was an interesting year because we had Daniel Kaluuya and Daniel Day-Lewis and Timothy Chalamet. I just am not that compelled by any of the male actor nominations. I will say I'm kind of happy Timothy didn't get a nomination for Beautiful Boy because that movie felt like such an awards show grab, like not an actual valid movie. Yeah, but I don't know. The weird thing with Best Actor is that even though you have Bradley Cooper, whose performance I love and whose movie I love, I just don't feel like I'm hoping that he wins because out of Christian Bale, Bradley Cooper, Willem Dafoe, Rami Malek, and Viggo Mortensen, who are the nominees, he's obviously the one that I like. Um, Yeah, yeah, because A Star is Born was just, it took over the cultural conversation. I'd be fine if Willem won. I haven't seen that movie, but I trust him. Yeah. I like Willem Dafoe. Well, I think that that's not, I mean, Christian Bale winning would be another, I'm afraid he will because it would just yeah. be another, like, white man in a fat suit with makeup that looks like it was applied with a trowel. Even though he was decent as Dick Cheney. Um, Rami Malek, I don't want anything to go to Bohemian Rhapsody. And the other part of that conversation that I think people are afraid to have, um, and I don't want to go too far down a rabbit hole, but is that the crew and cast of that movie are as guilty as anyone who's supported it. There was a thing on Twitter where Rami was like, I wasn't aware of the allegations. It's like, Google, Google. do research. It's been been a a thing for a long time. You could have made that argument in like the 70s or 80s, but you really can't now. Yeah. But um, anyways, as per usual, maybe it's fair to say, the actress... (laughs) Categories are so much more exciting. I think in Best Actress, I'm a little bit surprised to see Melissa McCarthy, even though I didn't see Can You Ever Forgive Me? I feel like the movie is good, but she's just one of those actresses who's so trapped in the comedic tradition that it's weird to see her as yeah. a serious actress. Um, and I really wish that Dakota Johnson would have gotten a nomination. <laughs> and also Tony Collette for Hereditary, which I know was a lot of people's pick to win. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Academy hates genre movies, so alas. But the nominees for Best Actress are Yolitza Aparicio from Roma, Glenn Close from The Wife, Olivia Colman from The Favorite, Lady Gaga from A Star is Born, and Melissa McCarthy for Can You Ever Forgive Me? And honestly, I have not seen Can You Ever Forgive Me or The Wife, but the other three, 
any of those who win, that's a knockout. And I would be so happy because those are three really, really, really incredible and really different performances. I will say I am pulling for Lady Gaga because I am a big fan of anyone approaching EGOT status. Yes, but she's going to she's going to get it because of Shallow. Yeah, but like I mean, I would I think that her performance in A Star Is Born is genuinely amazing. I think that maybe it rides a little bit too much on music and that some some voters might see that and say, "Well, is there really like substance to it behind that she can sing and convey emotions?" I think there is. Yeah. Um I think my favorite of these and I might be biased just because I love the movie so much is Olivia Coleman in The Favorite just because I think she has so many killer line deliveries. Yeah. I mean, I think the favorite should definitely win for best uh, original screenplay. Oh, I would hope. Oh, God. Um, There's so many good lines. Yeah, and Olivia Coleman makes them so funny. Moving on to best supporting actress, we have Amy Adams from Vice, Marina de Tavira from Roma, Regina King from If Beale Street Could Talk, and Emma Stone and Rachel Weiss from The Favorite. That's so good. Which is another really stacked category. I think. Um, people on Twitter have been joking gays are going to be heartbroken if Amy Adams finally wins an award and it's for Vice. She's I don't know why she's here. She's not that good in it. She's not that memorable in it. It's another one that's an apology nomination. Oh, for sure. Yeah. This is the, hey, Amy, we loved you in Sharp Objects. Here's an Oscar nomination. Yeah. Um, the mom from Roma, um, I also didn't think that her performance really had a lasting effect on me. Yeah, there are definitely certain lines where I was like, oh, okay. Yes, there are but some I don't know if it's that... enough to substantiate a valid nomination. But the other three are all fantastic performances. Rachel Weiss and Emma Stone are both equally incredible, and their presences are so commanding in that film, which is really crucial to how well it works yeah. as a movie, both in being funny and being gripping and being kind of emotional at points. Um, and I think that you could you could make the case for either of them having like some of the best line deliveries of the entire year. Um, there's a scene towards the beginning of The Favorite where um, Rachel Weiss talks about playing with bunny rabbits, and she just says, it is macabre. And I think that's one of the funniest moments in any movie this year. Um, and then Regina King in Beale Street is so good. Yeah. She has this scene where she's talking to Tish, who's the main character of that film. And she has this line about, like, if you've trusted love this far, trust it all the way. And uh. that turned me, turned the <laughs> waterworks on in the theater. Boy. She's so good. And that's that's like not even her best moment. There are others that I don't want to spoil. Um, I think maybe she's my pick. Okay. As much as I hate to go at, no, uh, that's against valid. the favorite. That's fine. You know, and to be honest, I could see that happening as voters of like, I don't know which of these two favorite gals to vote yes. for. Well, I think Regina King has really been like knocking it out of the park at other awards ceremonies mm -hmm. too. Good, good. So. Yes. So All right. We can't. We we could talk about this for ten hours, but we're not going to do that because that makes for terrible audio. Uh, thanks for listening to this episode of Double Feature. I have been Annie. I am Chris, and on the next couple of episodes, we will be talking about some of our favorite movies of last year and mm -hmm. that are going to be big names in the awards season. So yeah. stay tuned. Fantastic. There.